There's no motorsport on TV So you're really down on your luck But Martin, Pete and Mike will talk about what they like And not really give a further thought to what the listeners think Hello, welcome to the Caution Period Podcast. We're still here. I can't remember how many episodes we've done now. Six. It's really just an excuse for us to get a bit drunk and talk about cars. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about a long beach race because there was supposed to be a long beach race around this sort of time. So we found one, didn't we? Um, which was the 2008 ALMS uh, race around Long Beach. Which is The irony is it's quite a short track and quite yeah. a short race. So I don't know whether... Yeah, it's an hour and a half... It should be short I, I, beach. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. Um, yeah, we'll get onto it, but I definitely could have watched probably an extra four and a half hours or so of that race. Um, but yeah, uh, also we'll be chatting a bit about the news. There's been some big news today, uh, which we'll get onto. I can't um, wait. So excited. We'll also talk about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the fact that uh, I did another eSport, you guys, by accident. Oh um, no! What we told you about yeah, the esports by accident again? I know I, I did an I did an esports by accident, so we'll chat a bit about that as well. Um, Pete, do you have any more games, or are we just? I think if I can about... figure one out by the time it well, comes up, then yeah, I uh, reckon we'll, we'll do one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, that sounds good. All right, uh, so what's been in the news, my dudes? Uh, well, like, so I guess the first thing is um, the Ferrari stuff. I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, which started off, it's, it's the most Ferrari story of all Ferrari stories. It started off with a Guardian article. Um, and obviously, right. the, the, there's an ongoing conversation about the cost caps right now. And Ferrari's like, yes, this cost cap's a good idea, but why don't we have two cost caps? One for us and one for everyone else. It's like, <laughs> that's not quite, that's not that's quite not how it works. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It doesn't really make much sense to anyone. Um, and then so they did their typical thing of. Uh, well, allegedly threatening to kind of quit the sport, saying they could take their racing DNA elsewhere. Um, but then they, did, <laughs> they subsequently went out and said that was like a misquote. Uh, they, they um, yeah, it was taken out of context and everything. So um, I, I read the I read the article, um, and like, you know, when you first hit, read the headline, you're a bit like Ferrari gonna Ferrari. Um, but the, what they were complaining about really was like, um, or what they claimed to be complaining about really. Is uh, is protecting jobs, right? They were like, "Ah, oh, but we'll have to fire a bunch of people, and you know, it's really difficult, and you know, all this stuff." And it was it was kind of portrayed as a as a quitting F one thing. But they sort of clarified their comments later later on during the day to say, "No, we're not talking about pulling out of Formula One. We're just talking about um, reallocating resources." Yeah, reallocating some of those resources to other race series. And at which point you're like, "Well." I know you've just clarified that, but then why did you sound so pissy in the first place? And why did it sound like you were going to flounce well, out of Formula 1? To be fair to Ferrari, Mike, that's because whenever Ferrari have a press release, it does go through a pissy filter. That mm. it would, <laughs> Before that, it would seem really reasonable. And then it goes through this system that for some reason, I don't know why they still do it. It just, it just makes it really whingy and shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, Is it the um, Mansell fi- the Mansell filter or something? Um, Mansell yes. had the, Mansell has the same the same software program. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe it's like... also installed on Lewis Hamilton's radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. I want to get some. I want to get some for the Skype call. <laughs> I want it now. Give me it now. Is that, is that <laughs> um, you got it? It's just happened. <laughs> um, but like, 
in principle, like a a I don't mind if Ferrari quits Formula One. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. I don't I don't really care. Um, I I don't think there's I think the they talk about like their racing DNA, um, but actually like it, it, all the cars basically look pretty similar these days. They're all like you know they're not particularly distinctive. Um, so I don't think it actually matters that much. I'd rather see them put like a wet hypercar together or something that would look like a Ferrari and would go bastard quick around Le Mans. And, um, and they can do that. Why not? I think Even I better, would, both. I, I do think Ferrari, I would be sad if Ferrari did ever, ever leave F1. I don't think it happened anytime soon. Because it's just um, as much as, A, they, they provide like more than their fair share of drama and stupidity, which is what I mostly want to support <laughs> for. Um, and also, yeah. like there um, would be significantly like, fewer muffed pit stops, I suppose. Yeah. Which I, I'm glad like to see that that that, um, that formula did also translate to the uh, Long Beach race. We'll talk about later. It did, yes, yeah, yeah. Did. yeah. But also, like, there's like a few elements which you just have to have, I think, to make F1 F1. That's like Monaco, um, Silverstone, for all its sins, um, mm. and Ferrari, uh, and Monza as well, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I suppose you, that is it, isn't it? Like Monza is really special, and it's special because of the Ferrari fans. But before we get too far down this path, and also of the game that I was kind of half formulating in my head, this this could be a segue into it. Um, as for you doing the intro, I was coming up with this one. But anyway, <laughs> the, um, but I think the first topic I do want to stress is that this cost cap thing does come at an expense for very talented people to lose their jobs from mm. these bigger Formula One teams. Well, a lot of the Formula One teams, really, are going to end up... I mean, the, if they're going to reduce their costs, it's not because they're just buying gold and putting it in a hole. Like, it's, mm. they're, they're paying more people. That's why their their cost is so high. They're very little yeah. of what they're doing these days. They're, their wind tunnel expense is limited. You know, their, even their compute time is limited. Days. So yeah. where else is all their cost going? It's because they've got gargantuan numbers of resources and the thing is yeah uh, to me i don't really think a cost cap is formula one i think it's going to it's going the money goes in the buffet have you ever been to the ferrari motorhome the buffet is exquisite and they could just one of the best risottos in my life yeah and i've had the best and i'm saying just get some butoni don't like don't don't get this the (laughs) the posh pasta get some butoni from the corner shop or something it's fine as a 12 year old at the Belgian <laughs> Grand Prix in the uh, in the Tyrrell um, hospitality I I, yeah. I had more mild seven cigarettes than I could shake a stick at brilliant <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot that I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to be there when you used to go to Grand Prix as well and I used to hand out cigarettes to children because like I, I was at a few <laughs> British Grand Prix where like just uh, yeah just someone would just come and hand me a pack of Marble Lights I'm like oh cheers look I'm nine Thanks. wait wait just, just well, I have to bit a disclaimer here because my mum my and dad might be listening they didn't smoke any cigarettes when I was 12 years old that was when I was 16 years old when my brother gave them to me so you can blame him right. I haven't had a cigarette for ages mum right. she's got I had to get that out there just in case she, she's going to worry um, happy for the clarification. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I do. I do think though that like Formula One to me has its space race money should be involved in Formula One. Like, there's no point. Yeah, but in but then, Formula then One. you've got to, like. Then there should be a space. There should be the. They should free up the technology. Then if they can do that, it's stupid. That exactly. Spending so much money to make the same car, and so that mm. doesn't that doesn't make sense. And customer cars were a thing 
customer cars to me are part of the DNA of F1. I don't know why it's yeah. not part of F1 anymore. And that's surely a logical way to do it. I think we can yeah. fix Formula One right now, right? And you're okay. exactly right. Throw away the rule book, come up with some other way of just measuring like energy usage or whatever, um, yeah. and open up the, the energy types of formulas, not have a, a cost cap, and then have a, an, an allowance for a two tier grid. Like based every upon... time we do this, every time we do this, though, we just end up inventing WEC from like three years ago, four years yeah, ago. It's true, it's like, yeah, I don't have to fix that one because it was brilliant. I'll do this. This is like, and then we'll do a twenty-four hour race in France in June. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just invent yeah. WEC and close the wheels because no one wants to see them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put a cockpit for safety. Yeah, and get Add a pass down and drive. Pretend, yeah, get pulled down liner <laughs> in there. <laughs> <laughs> it we just, solved it again, boys. It just nose it into a barrier. It, it was fine. <laughs> add a, add um, a pretend passenger seat. No, but like genuinely, the customer cars thing would fix one of the big problems I have with Formula One at the moment, which is that it. I don't think the grids look full enough. I remember like the olden days where it used to be like twenty six car grids, and it looked right. <laughs> you didn't need that, that big, because seventeen of them would break down before. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is crazy should... how like nowadays you don't. I mean, you, we we need some more of that batch engineering to mm. to create more of the kind of variables and just more like more variation in cars and car I think types. That's what and that's why I'm so excited for DS when it happened because it was like it's just that's what that's what F1 is to a lot of people. The did cool you see that the, um, it was it was out like two years ago? Like he used it at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Like really? What? Yeah. No, I didn't see this. There, yeah, there's a video of him like did you, did pump, pumping up his front tires with this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I are you sure it just wasn't that the steering column broke? I mean, it wasn't on the way to like an enormous accident, so I have to assume it wasn't. I mean, this you're isn't thinking of this that. Is, this you're not isn't thinking me... of that Toro Rosso where the wheels fell off. <laughs> this isn't me going through in one of my like F1 fever evenings of watching like old races. This is like a legit thing. All right, I look forward to it. you uh, you corroborating that with some evidence. Um, but the but other yeah, thing that I... happened with this announcement is that they invoked the name of WEC, which I don't think Ferrari have done before, have they? When was the last time they actually said the words, like, uttered it did, and said WEC? Did they say WEC specifically? I thought they did. I thought they did. Maybe I didn't see it. I thought I saw a statement say it, where, it was where they mentioned, mentioned WEC and IndyCar. And that's like, they've always been quite, they've always been quite careful with their words. Nah. Yeah. Um, and just to see Ferrari say WEC, which is, I think, where they belong. It's like, it's easy in the 60s. Ferrari haven't been at the front. Obviously, there, there's like the, the 323 and everything, and there's obviously um, the GT program and everything as well. But I just, mm. to me, Ferrari should be at the forefront of sports car racing like it was in the 60s. Yeah, um, I, when, I think when, it's when, important. When sports cars like used to be more important to Ferrari than um, F1, that was like their prime That was like their prime focus yeah. in the 60s. Le Mans was their backyard, yeah. um, which is why Ford <laughs> wanted to beat them so badly there. Um, and I, I, I guess they kind of... You know, it was kind. It felt kind of manufactured that year where the Fords came back, and it was a Ford versus Ferrari battle. It felt like they twiddled the bop just for some sort of historic result. But that that stuff should be happening at the at the top end, not yeah. You know, not for the GT victory. Much as I love the GT class in in um, in Weck and, and Le Mans, Ferrari should be fighting for the overall victory. You know, I don't think Ferrari should be an IndyCar though. That's just like no. It is, they made this like so. They, obviously, we know that the Ferrari made an IndyCar in 1986, um, just yeah. purely just to 
just a, a game of brinksmanship with um, the FIA at the time. Um, yeah. And it just seems like it's their, it's their, basically, this is their strop. It's their go-to strop. This is them slamming yeah. the bedroom door. I'm going in the car. <laughs> I can't imagine I anything less for, less Ferrari <laughs> than IndyCar, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know how it would work. Would they become an engine supplier or something? Or they just... I don't know Also, what... it, it can only end badly for them. If they do well, it won't mean really anything because they're a Formula 1 squad. And if they do badly, it'll be phenomenally bad PR. Can, because... you, can you imagine the pit stops? Yeah. <laughs> They'd, they'd leave with the hose and the hose guy attached. <laughs> I mean, they're, them getting around. I mean, they're bad enough in trying to figure out when to pit around safety cars. Can you imagine if there's safety cars like every twenty minutes? They yeah. they somehow get like seventeen laps down. <laughs> but I did, um, I did, I I did scurry off and I found the article I was talking about. I, I don't know if is GP fans a credible Formula yeah, One I don't source. Know. I think so. Yeah. There's, I linked a thing to. There's a Twitter uh, post someone put of like apparently Hamilton moving the steering wheel towards him as he crosses the start finish line in Hungary or something. But like, it doesn't align with what Mercedes said the origins of the system were. They said it was like based on something that didn't get them the results they needed from a few years ago. But they, I don't think they ever said it ever raced. So I don't know if it's actually been used and and. They're just being very vague about what what their the origins are, but either way, I mean, it's it is still one of those things that's a little bit sad that we get so excited about something that's really so mind-numbingly dull. When <laughs> yeah, back in the day, you'd get like the Brabham showing up with a big old fan sticking out the back of it, yeah, and then them. What being we should like... be getting ex- excited about is like one of the teams showing up with like a, a like W. 12 engine or something like that and like really going bonkers with something or like a, a triple turbo job or something well just to, even just comparing it to the nissan lmp1 car i mean that mm. thing was the probably from like an engineering point of view i can't remember anything in my like adult life being that excited to see something race yeah. It didn't. It didn't. I'm so I, sad. I, I saw it race, and it didn't. It didn't, <laughs> didn't do the thing well. is, it didn't. That didn't bother me. Like it's so much better to see some see something adventurous not yeah. work out than see not just see all the same stuff. It just yeah. That I I think that entire program is just such a tragedy, and I I remember talking to Darren Cox about it, who was obviously like key a key part of that whole key thing, man, and yeah. um and. He was like they they just uh, they destroyed all the cars like Nissan just destroyed all the cars they were so embarrassed by this this Where sort Nissan... of failure. Um, Where's Ben Bowlby now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's up to at the moment actually. But he's in engineering thought... prison. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's bringing the tea to Adrian Newey. Um, what would engineering but... prison be? <laughs> Disneyland. Uh, inescapable, probably. Um, <laughs> But I just thought, like, they, it was supposed to be a two-year two year deal and they raced once at Le Mans. Um, I just really wish they'd seen it through for another year because it was such a fascinating concept. And it was, like, all right, not in the race, but uh, during the, some of the test stuff, it was, like, quickest down the Mulsanne straight, which is is what you want at Le Mans. So I don't, I don't know. I just I think it's a real tragedy. It's a real tragedy that it not just not only did they shut the program down but they destroyed all the cars so you'll never get to see it run at goodwood or anything like that it's just like it's still history it's still part of nissan's history and that's such a i think we live in such like a pr obsessed age 
that actually it was treated like a PR exercise gone wrong rather than a piece of like motorsport history for Nissan. Do you remember the, really the, the first like actual like shots of it were during the like in an ads during the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. It was, like they dropped big. serious money on it. Like it was. Yeah, yeah. I just is, is there going to be a Tamiya model? That's all I care about. I don't know. I mean, the only place you can really you can really see it is in video games, and at least they preserved it in video games. Do you know what I mean? Like at least it was in Gran Turismo and Forza and stuff like that. Works great. I've got that Gran Turismo. Well, you can drive on the curbs, and, and which you couldn't. Yeah, do. yeah. So that's that's yeah. the, the real life. Yeah. You couldn't do in the real life. Does the um does the hybrid system work on Gran Turismo? I don't think so. I think they took it out like they did in real life. Hmm. Um, because it didn't work. I just but, love I just love the idea of that skinny front tire model and a skinny rear tire model on that and yeah yeah you know, it's just trying to front wheel drive like the the seating position was weird wasn't it their like butt was way lower than the well it's hard it's, it's supposed to be absolutely horrific wasn't it I think the seating position was supposed to be like absolutely terrible for the drivers. Mm. But they can lump it. It's their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a racing driver. Deal with it. Um, yeah, I I think it's I think it's a really cool project. I like the idea of just a front wheel drive um, race car at Le Mans. Like again, sort of weck at the time seemed like you could do whatever the hell you liked. But go, um, so going back to the Formula One thing, then I think it's like I think people are, are misled when they seem to think that. You know, having a more open rule book is, you know, is kind of bad for cost spending, but it's really not, is it? Because it's bad for the viewers seeing a tight rule book because you don't get to witness any of these kind of differentiators team to team, and mm. you and you eliminate the chance of someone coming up with something that's a like a success factor that someone else just hasn't thought about. Yeah, um, you're right. The, the stuff that's been like big successful. Um, it, in recent years, has been like the blown diffuser, the double um, diffuser, the double yeah. diffuser, um, the F dot. What was? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that didn't work. What was, what was like? What was Mercedes' differentiating factor in twenty fourteen? And just the fact that they'd invested so much in this new era, I think, and been I, I like heads think, down. Uh, their, I think their engine was so much better that they yeah. could package it so much tighter. They and... had that thing where there was like a some component of the engine, I can't remember which one, like ran down the length of the V. Yeah, like it's the the, they, they they split the turbo. So you've got your turbine and your compressor that was it. either yeah, side yeah. of the, the And they block. had a, a sort of shaft going, running through the V of the... Yeah, of the and then the, mo- the motor generator unit heat, which is the thing that runs off that spindle, was sat in the V to that electric motor cradled the shaft there i didn't mean to say cradled the shaft <laughs> yeah i'm glad already though. cradling yeah. the shaft <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you but about. i think i think if it what the challenges that they had was that <laughs> you're having a such a long shaft that spins right. keep, so, on talk, keep on talking yeah, keep on talking i love this it spins so fast is is very difficult to maintain balance and things like that and that's why i think honda switched to that model but they originally they tried they tried like a scroll type turbo right um, that wasn't you know that was sat off the back of the oh no was, i think it was cradled between the engine and the the chassis bulkhead the opposite right. side to the transmission i believe or something I've like that no idea what you're talking about but i'm seriously aroused <laughs> <laughs> okay well i think we're well, basically though that that model i think they were the first to adopt and i think 
I'd, I'd be surprised if all the F1 engines now aren't using that same model. It's just, mm. it just, it does seem to work the best. But I think they, I don't think Mercedes came out of the gates with the best car in any one category. It just happened to be, um, well, other than maybe the engine side, but basically it was just such a good all-rounder and they mm. could run the engine fairly lean in terms of like how close to its braking point. So it was never really overheating. It wasn't really, you know, rattling itself to death it just was a more refined solution for such an early stage and they're just ahead from the from the start then so i was just thinking that you do get some people who do have innovation still because like ferrari had that innovation last year the fuel flow which is really clever you mean just cheating yeah yeah that yeah that's it cheating that's what it's called yeah that's it all the all (laughs) the point i was sort of making was like all these things are technically cheating um, because the the way innovation happens is that you kind of break the rule. No, yeah, and then I, you hope that it, uh, you hope that it doesn't get banned, or you or everyone adopts it. Can I can I make a major correction there? Because go on. so like I'll give I'll give you two examples, right? So the the double diffuser, right? That's not a break in the rules because the rules didn't claim it didn't define what a slot was as being what they used it for effectively so they could make a hole in the floor make a pretend floor on top of it it's not a loophole it's not a a cheat that's just using an open-ended rule to make something that's a a performance differentiator ferrari with their fuel flow they figured out that the fuel flow sensor was like you know measured fuel flow on a pulse right every time they're you know every yeah, it's like a sine wave, right? So every time it reached mm. like across yeah. over that zero point, it would make a measurement. So if they had a fuel pump, effectively, the or an injector operated on the same the, sine wave, like had it was like destructive interference with a radio wave, right? So they could basically pump whatever fuel they wanted in and around those those measurement points, and That's they bonkers. could. And, and so like that, but that sensor. That's not them finding a loophole around it. That sensor is there to enforce a rule that is you can't have so much more than X amount of fuel flow. Yeah. So they yeah. went, but so they went above that fuel flow. So that is breaking the rules. That's not a, exploiting a loophole. And I think yeah. that. So I think it's important to note that like anything that's a loophole, like should be rewarded. That's I think why DAS, for example, wasn't immediately outlawed because it was a genuine way to. Yeah get a differentiator around the rule set. You know, when we've had these situations where things get banned right away, they're because, like like the Ferrari situation, why everyone got so mad about them not actually telling what was going on, it's because it's someone just going against the intent. Not yeah. just the intent. Spirit, but, yeah, it's... So, but I do think it's just one of those things where you, you have this incredibly tight rule book and... You're forcing people to like develop into the the tiny little gaps that they have freedom in, and that's where the money comes in. And when you look at the things that actually have made differentiate, like Braun is a perfect example with a double diffuser. That that was probably like two or three engineers coming up with an idea and getting clarification from the FIA that it would still mm. be legal. And even Ross Braun told the FIA when they're developing the rules, you should probably clarify this because otherwise hypothetically a team that maybe me might actually develop (laughs) into it and we don't want to do it if you're just going to ban it right away kind of thing yeah yeah but like it it, it's crazy to think that that's not a solution that would have cost millions and millions of pounds to find by crunching numbers that's people being clever well yeah it's a good point because 
for every one of those ones that actually works there must be loads of these like weird ideas at the periphery that they have to test and that don't work and that that costs money and time and and all that effort but yeah i was being a little bit facetious when i said everything's so cheap what i mean is like you say everyone's looking for a loophole which will provide a big performance advantage mm-hmm. um so why not just open up the rule book and make that the standard and make people you know give people a, the freedom to do an entire package that is weird and innovative and and i, and I think and what works together what does help is is doing things like saying hey what are the the things that fall into the category of not being performance differentiators but still cost money to develop and what are the things that no one really cares about being developed that you're not going to see anything exciting happening and f1 tried to do that by floating out the idea of having like um off-the-shelf brakes and and things like that and it's like well they've already developed them so all you're doing is you're firing a bunch of brake guys (laughs) yeah yeah <laughs> like it's, it's just there is something in it and i think there's there's a nice part of it where like you know, if you have stock things like that and you have a you know uh, brands that are bidding for them like the tire people and stuff like that it just becomes like closer and closer to a spec formula and again that's not yeah. what formula one's about like yeah you can say like okay well the gearbox is now they're all seamless shift who, who gives a fuck what like actually the gearboxes do like yeah, you can't see them, whatever. But like, mm. yeah, I still, I still feel like you, they're not a massively expensive part of the outlay of a Formula One car. It's all in the aero development. So what are you really saving the teams then? Mm. If you give them some spec front and rear wings, then that probably save them a bunch of money. But no one wants to see that because all the cars will look the same. This conversation has reminded me of something I wanted to mention, uh, which is that. Uh, loath as I am to direct people towards a much better podcast than this one, if you can conceive of such a thing happening. Uh, I listened to the full three hours and 23 minutes of the Collecting Cars podcast with Chris Harris, uh, where he was talking to Nikki Griss. And like, mercifully, and I like I like hearing um, Chris Harris talk, but mercifully, he basically stayed almost silent and let Nikki Griss tell like, decades worth of amazing rally stories uh including and this is the reason i was reminded of this uh the story of how like toyota got thrown out of the world championship because they were cheating the uh restrictor they had a thing that like when they tightened the bolt or something on the restrictor it like the tightening of the bolt caused it to open more or something like that um and yeah so he talked about that whole story and about how Apparently, he and, and the driver, I can't remember who it was, uh, Yuha Kankinen, I think, actually, uh, how they had no idea that this cheat had been sort of installed and all this stuff. And just fascinating. I mean, it's it's honestly like three three hours that are well worth your time, like when you're doing the washing up or, you know, whatever. It's a lot of washing up. It's, good to it's an awful lot of washing up, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't listen to it all in one go. Um, I listened to it partly while washing up, partly while cleaning the bathroom. Um, and partly while falling asleep in a chair in the garden. Um, that sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah. it's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, glad you didn't well fall asleep in the bathroom. It's always embarrassing <laughs> when that happens. Face, through, face down in the toilet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... It... Why is your face in the toilet in the first place? <laughs> That's how he cleans like, it. Cleaning it. You stick your head in, you know. You know we can't, you we go can't go get right any toilet bristles, bristles in, the, uh, in the quarantine life yeah. that Mike's leading. Exactly. So he just gets in there. lick it clean. Gets real yeah. personal with it. <laughs> I thought you were having like a late afternoon vomit or something, but uh, that's fine then. 
I mean, if I have a few more beers, I started drinking early tonight, as you might have noticed. Um, yeah. Was it five yeah. hours ago? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, pretty, I'm pretty beat. Pretty much. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a really good podcast. It's well worth listening to. It's uh, yeah, the collecting po- collecting cars podcast with Chris Harris, uh, and the Nicky Griss one is is incredible. All his stories with Colin McRae, all his like the big crashes he's been involved with, the kind of stuff that like what McRae was like to to work with, but also just all the stuff about how he like got into rally rallying and co driving specifically is kind of interesting as well. And what amazed me. Uh, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll mention on the subject because you should just go and listen to it after this, obviously. Um, what amazed me was like when he's relating these stories, not only can he remember the exact like stage and location and where it was in relation to like landmarks, you know, like it'd be like, oh, we did the Acropolis rally. It was, you know, uh, northwest. the stage was northwest of the town of Athens, blah, blah, blah. But then he remembers the exact pace notes of the section of the stage that he's talking about. So he's like, oh, yeah, it was a six left over crest into three uh, right plus whatever. Um, and and it's just that level of recall and that le- level of attention to detail about those stages that were like nearly a, nearly two decades ago. It's astonishing. It's That's astonishing. crazy. Like in, my, in my very short and very crap karting career, I must have done close to 100 races. I can't remember. Hard, mm. I can't remember like hardly any of them, mostly because it's to be like, Oh, that's when I finished last, or that's when I finished second to last. But like <laughs> having that kind of recall is great. I guess that was what makes you a good um, co-driver yeah. having that kind of recall. It, it's it's genuinely astonishing when you hear him relaying the exact pace notes. I guess he can kind of, I guess he can visualize where he was, and he can remember what based on that visualization of what the the course looked like. Um, he can remember what the notes were, but it's still amazing to hear him relay some quite detailed pace notes from memory uh from 20 20 years ago so yeah well worth a listen you should definitely check it out martin have you been watching russian touring cars i watched russian touring cars but i watched them last night while very drunk which i think is the only way to watch russian touring cars actually probably um, how does because... it compare to your beloved btcc what's what's this you just cropped up on there um so i thought you'd be interested in the picture of the uh the offending part of the toyota turbo oh yeah um it's very sneaky, but I thought you'd like to see that. It's Have, good. It's it's very good. So this Russian touring cars, because I think you've shown me what is the race you showed me before, which takes place in some mad motorway somewhere, and it's kind oh, was that like in um, Estonia or something? Yeah, it, it's something like that. It's like Lat- Latvia or oh, something Latvia. like that. Um, but it's apologies a, yeah, it's to anyone from Estonia or Latvia where you just got your countries mixed up and to mean to all the followers cars, we have from over there. Let me look that up for you uh, while you're... You, you discuss Russian touring cars and I'll tell you about... Russian touring cars basically it. follows that formula where it's just basically public roads with absolutely zero concern for safety, zero safety measures, zero barriers, zero anything. And just lots of basic... Um, they're kind of... It's like kind of Seat Cooper and everything racing, kind of um, late 2000s spec touring cars just absolutely going hammer and tongs at each other on public roads. And, Are they and front wheel or rear wheel? Front wheel, I think. Know? Nice. So you got some see some Larry slides that are being like caught when no one should be catching them kind of thing. <laughs> it's mostly just people knocking the shit out of each other though, and it's just it. It's just it's basically how um, unkempt it all is when we're so used to just like if you get a street race these days, you at least expect like a little bit of armco here and there. There's nothing. They don't do armco here. It's just like open roads <laughs> and forests, trees and stuff. Yeah. It did look like yeah. It did look like you know like when you see CCTV. 
uh, footage of like a truck going the wrong way down an A road or something. Um, like it looked like that basically. But uh, what would make it even better is if they tapped into the into the traffic cameras to for the filming of it. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, like static cameras so I think it is Latvia it's um, the Ineos or a thousand kilometers race um, in Latvia that's the one where they basically go up and down one segment of a motorway turning yeah, around yeah. at a service station and coming they, back yeah they close down a motorway and it's basically <laughs> but you get like um, the last time I watched it uh, you got like your Rowan Bleekemolen in a Porsche GT3 car, like absolutely razzing around uh, these these mo- this track that is basically on a motorway. It's incredible. Um, the only problem is you you can never get any like English commentary whatsoever, so you just have to sort of put up with not understanding a word of what's being said. But like as a visual spectacle, there's nothing quite like it, other than as Martin has discovered recently, Russian touring cars. I'd love the equivalent, like if, like if they just let brick car on the roads, get brick car on the south circular. On the on the on the, like the Catford Loop or something. What they should do is for one weekend, shut down the entire M25. I was just thinking that race. it'd be like the um, it'd be like a really really easy Nurbo ring. It's yeah. quite boring though. So there's no there's no challenges there. The Think of the drafting. We could throw a chicane in yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, and then they'd be, they'd be cornering at like 200 miles an hour as well. Perhaps it's just different. let the regular cars on. Yes, it's traffic. <laughs> This is the perfect plan, M25. It'd be mixed class, just normal cars, people not aware of what's going on, and trucks and stuff. Yeah, the 25 hours of M25. That's just GTM, isn't it, you've just described there, basically. Um, That's just Paul Dallana in a a, a Repmanville, basically. Why not? What I like about the motorway-based racing is that no longer do you have to worry about access to and from the track, because it's already on a motorway. You know, you yeah. have none of these little sites on like, you know, Silverstone back in the day. We had like five hours of sitting in traffic to leave. Yeah. Well, that's um, the great thing about Le Mans as well, right? Because they, they open the Molsan straight immediately after the race. That's and always... it becomes the road that you leave Le Mans. That always screws my head a little bit when you've been there for 24 hours and watching the race and all of a sudden it's like you just drive and you're like, you look, you look like left and right. It's like, hang on, I'm in the Molsan straight. This is ridiculous. It's the, it's the coolest thing. You're like, oh my God, the track's gone. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> this dream's it's over. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's mad. So yeah, like I'm, I'm well up for more motorway-based races. I, th- I definitely think we've got enough motorways in the UK to make it happen. The M6 is like a toll road, isn't it? No one's going to be on that anyway. Just shut it for a massive race. Is there any good? Is there any actually motorway that would lend itself? I don't know. I don't drive enough to know if there's any motorway that well, would lend itself to good drive to good to a good race. Yeah, so. when I when I describe this, like it, it's not just like a section of motorway, like just the motorway. It's going up the kind of junctions and over the bridges and then coming back round and stuff. So it is a it is a track. It's not just like a. It's not like Avis where you go up like you blast up in one direction, turn around and blast down again. It does have a bit of technicality to it, but it's the weirdest circuit. I really wish someone would put it in a video game. Because it just looks like unlike any race circuit I've ever seen. It's normally in July, um, and if I remember to watch it, I I try and do it because they do live stream it. Kind of surprised it isn't in Project Cars because everything seems to be in Project Cars. Maybe that's the one thing that's that just escaped their attention. That is true. Can we talk a little bit about my my second adventure into esports? Yeah. Um. So I did the Formula E race from home challenge thing uh last weekend uh which was amazing 
Um, and it was uh, because of a, a sort of friend of mine who's working uh, as one of the suppliers to the series and has been supplying PCs to all the um, uh, to all the drivers so they can compete in this thing. Was just like oh, I've got a slot for someone I can suggest to do this race. Would you like to do it? And part of me was thinking I don't know the first thing about driving the Formula E car in R Factor Two. I've not done much of it. Um, and also, um, it's terrifying as well because it's full of like actual sim races and it's Monaco, which is an extremely narrow, extremely difficult circuit. But I sort of agreed anyway and, and th- figured I'll do, do something every day that scares you, right? And th- this is the thing that scares me. Um, and it was great. It was really, really good fun. I, I finished second to last in the race, but I had a really good battle um, and was commentated on by uh, Jack Nichols and Dario Franchitti. It was really oh, so good. Mike, fun. How, how many gears does the Formula Recar have? <laughs> it's got it's got two gears. <laughs> nice, Mike. Got, I like that. It's got two gears. Has it? I, I, I thought it just had. To... <laughs> I only really used one of them. So uh, I have a confession to make, which is that. Um, so there's no. I was like looking for. I was looking on YouTube for like R Factor Two Formula E like lap record what's the you know who's gone the fastest around here and how have they done it uh, that seemed like a good place to start uh to then work up to um there are no videos like that at all the only video i could find was jimmy broadbent um doing you know just trying the content out for himself and watching his video he only ever used second gear and so I was like, well, I guess that's how you drive the Monaco circuit then. And I guess the, the first gear is just for sort of getting off the line and everything else is within the sort of torque band or whatever of the of second gear. Um, Are you so sure I you drove... weren't like having a flashback to when you learned to drive? <laughs> <laughs> no, it gen- genuinely, uh, genuinely was the case. Um, and so I did that entire race in second gear. I never shifted down to first. And then I went back and looked at the replays afterwards and like, everyone literally everyone else was shifting down to first for the hairpin and for the um uh the ras is it the rascas or no the what's the one where schumacher parked it is the tabac uh, yeah or tabac yeah. no tabac's the left-hander isn't it anyway yeah. either way wherever schumacher parked everyone was going down to first for that so two parts of the lap i wasn't using first gear and probably should have been but um but I still do okay. My like my lap time was half a second off Jimmy Broadbent's in in um, free practice. And given that it's his entire job to play uh, sim races, I think like that's not too bad. That's not so bad. I really messed up qualifying though because it's it's one lap qualifying and the tires take two laps to get up to full temperature. So yeah, I like was, that. I like the cruelty implicit in that. It was <laughs> no, it's so hilarious. It's like basically a halfway house. You're like you're not on cold tires. You're not on hot tires. You've got to remember exactly what the margins are on slightly warm tires. Did um, did you realise um, my uh, criticisms about the Formula E steering racks at all? Yeah, it's um the the racks are not uh yeah they're not not sort of quick <laughs> enough to get round some of the hair. I mean, this is a series that races predominantly on street circuits and you you have some really really tight corners and the, and the rack just isn't isn't really quick enough for it but it, it does add to the challenge like you've it's, really got to spin did, the wheel around to get through the hair i did do some research and found that the steering rack came off of a uh like i think it's like a mid-90s ariva london bus <laughs> um, <laughs> yes yes i bet that's a true fact another piece of technical uh um, uh-huh. yeah. wisdom from pete there yeah. 
Um, but it's fine once you get used to it. Like once you get used to really wrenching it around those those hairpins and stuff, it's fine. It, it's the just weird really to see. To drive. It's just weird to see like real race car drivers on TV take both their hands off the wheel as they go hand over yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's but, a lot of hand over hand. I'm like there, like putting my hand underneath the sort of blade of the the uh, underside of the steering wheel. It's it's really it's so hard work. Did did you get the impression too that like yeah having been used to driving most of that track really only in formula one cars on sims yeah. obviously not in real life yet because you know we haven't we haven't been given yeah, our we'll formula one super licenses super yet. license yeah um but I'm sure if i do enough of these formula e online races they'll give me a super license but the thing is the, for. i'm getting i'm done in this podcast my super license i mean i'm i'm keeping my calendar open for a while um, <laughs> yeah my calendar's <laughs> very open at the moment certainly. but i i want to know from your point of view like yeah did it having a bit of a comparison point having played like a lot of Cody's F1 games around there mm. and stuff like that which are you know, fairly accurate in terms of like where you need to break and those yep. sorts of things and your your you know, your sense of speed but what yep. did the speed feel like and what did the like the the braking feel like and I have reasons for asking both um, the speed the speed felt absolutely fine like pace wise um, they're pretty quick uh, on a on a sort of street circuit. I mean, obviously not as fast as a Formula One car, but they feel they feel quick. And and the the section, I mean, the only section that's that's really relevant is the run, the left hander at to back, the swimming pool section, and then into the sort of final sector. Those are the things that are all the kind of really comparable with F one. Um, and while they're not as quick, they do feel quick when you go through that left right chicane. And then the right left, it feels fast and, and kind of loose and slightly on the edge of control. And you have to get your line as precise as you do in a Formula One car through that left right, certainly, to take it absolutely flat. Um, braking wise, the brakes are are really weird. I mean, first of all, you've got to bear in mind these are on like basically road tires. They're like treaded Michelin, whatever the hell they are, pilot, you know, pilot sport, pilot super sports, whatever they are. Um so braking wise, I mean, it's it it feels like it it's got far less braking power than than um, Formula One car, uh, and it slides around a lot more as well. Like there's a lot more movement and motion in that in the car than um, than you'd expect from Formula One. So, I, I mean, I I was interested to know this because firstly, everyone complains that Formula E cars are really slow, right? Mm. So, um, I was interested to know whether that that kind of translated. They don't look slow that when you watch them on TV because street circuit is so confined. But I was interested to know yeah. what that, how that well, the, translated. The, but the reason they put put them on street circuits is because they they look quicker and are quicker on a, a street circuit. Bear in mind, I mean, a Formula E car can get from 0 to sixty in two point eight seconds, so it would hold its own off yeah. the grid in a Formula. I, I think yeah, the sensation of being in one would be fast enough, I'm sure, because of the acceleration and because of the torque of those. Yeah, it's like if you've ever been in, the, yeah, if you've ever been in a Tesla or like a, a electric car or something, they. They, yeah, yeah. They, they can still terrify you. Yeah, and there's no point of reference with like a big old vibratey, spinny, roundy, roundy thing doing its uppy, downy, roundy, roundies, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Talking yeah. again, you lost me. <laughs> but, um, but the other thing too is that they're heavy, right? So I would imagine yep. heavy cars with, mm-hmm. you know, they've got. I think they've. Um, they're steel brakes, right? They're not they're not carbon brakes, and then well, there's not there's, re, there's regen. There's obviously regen is a factor in yeah. the in the braking, so it sort of feels slightly different. But yeah, you can you can definitely feel the momentum. You can feel the weight, and they all don't that's slow sitting down on as... on street tires too. So you're yep. you're yeah. I 
Wait, I, I had a I had a little go on the R Factor stuff and I, I found that like the first couple of laps I was like massively overshooting the slow corners because I was I was not aware of how early I had to break. Yeah. I was trying to go full send and that wasn't that wasn't working out for me. But um, mm. you've just gotta be really smooth. I think that's the key. And like yeah. if you're at all ragged, you're just losing time because either the, the back will slide and you'll lose time on on um corner exit or you'll break you'll have to break too hard and then you'll lock up and then you'll end up sliding around so, so it, really it really aligns perfectly with your mr dirt rally driving style <laughs> i mean not really um but the I've wheel playing... inputs do though <laughs> so um so the uh the second of these these races i'm, I'm uh participating in as well uh, which is quite cool because I'm definitely not on the kind of pace of the the top end guys, but they they were just keen. They were glad that I managed to bring some fans to it to the broadcast, and there were a lot of people in the live chat sort of supporting me and stuff, which I think kind of uh, they they caught wind of that and and have decided I can do the Hong Kong race. The Hong Kong race is it's a longer lap. Um, it's slippery. Uh, it feels slipperier than. Um, than Monaco um and it's a it's a really technical course uh, so I've been doing some practice and um again I mean I think from what I've heard the the sort of really fast guys are in the 58s have gotten into the 58s I'm currently in the 102s so that's, that's sort of so bad that's, that's no it's not well, terrible at yeah all. just just wait until me and Martin fan boost you yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no fan boost unfortunately are otherwise you both- I'm, I'd have a load of power and I'd slam into a wall, basically. Um, (laughs) But Mike's going to come back next week and be like, guys, so there's actually three gears. (laughs) (laughs) I have been using, in Hong uh, Hong Kong, I have been using the first gear in a couple of places. Yeah, one place, I think, in the lap is a first gear thing. But it's really weird as well because you don't want to, like, redline it in first. You want to actually sort of almost short shift into second. It's a really strange strange system and i i'd encourage you to like spend a bit more time with that car because it's i think what it's really given me an appreciation of is how well they've done it in r factor 2 and how yeah, it doesn't mod, feel yeah. like any yeah it doesn't feel like any other uh car race car i've ever driven which is sort See, of how only, formula e should be i've only played the formula e car in forza 7 and i might as well, I might as well played it in mario kart for it tells well, me about <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they have an actual engine sound on it for a while? Because they had to like patch in like not a. Uh, it had. I remember very early on trying it and being like, "What? Why isn't this an electric motor?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioning that to me. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's really good in our factor, and it's good that they've got a couple of the tracks in there. I'd love to see them add some more of the of the official Formula E circuits in there because like Monaco and Hong Kong are really really good, and then they've got one like fictional. Formula E circuit and that's it and what I really want having spent some time getting to know the car is a proper full Formula E game because it's it's just wicked racing it's really they're really really good fun like if you go back and watch that that battle I had but um, they have that it's it's Mario Kart (laughs) it's it's not Mario Kart um if you go back and watch that that battle I had for um to not be eliminated on the first elimination lap (laughs) <laughs> um, the cars are like sliding around and like it was a proper defensive drive. it was like the best defensive driver I think I've ever done um, it was really really satisfying so I'd be well up for a, a full Formula E game I'm sure well, it's because of the, the, the numbers the, the popularity of the sports um, phenomenon so I'm sure it's happening somewhere yeah 
I think we need to move on to the, um, the probably the more important esports race, which is happening tomorrow afternoon, Mike. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, this is uh, this is something Pete and I have just signed up for because it sounds like a laugh. But basically, uh, race uh, not race driver grid, uh, just grid uh, is on uh, Stadia. Stadia is free at the moment uh, for two months, and grid is free. So what? Uh, there's a podcast called Time Extend, which is like a retro racing game podcast. Um, and what they're doing is they are going to try and hold what will almost certainly be the first forty player. Uh, endurance race on grid ever which is a challenge because i don't think there were 40 current stadia subscribers so well there weren't (laughs) until they made it free but apparently there's there's a a few more now Um, but yeah this was like a stadia exclusive multiplayer mode Uh, because of the way stadia works it was possible for them to have 40 player multiplayer multi-class races Uh, and so pete and i have signed up because it sounds like a laugh so that's going to be happening half 10 my time i guess like Half five-ish your time, Pete? Is that right? Yeah, I've got a busy schedule tomorrow because I've got that. And then I've got to do my um, street stock Stafford race tomorrow. So I'm going to go right from that into into, um, driving a different different type of oval car. I'm going to go straight from grid back into practicing for Formula E. So I'm probably going to have forgotten everything I learned um, because grid is not a realistic racing game. Um, do you know what you're driving? Do you know what you're what, are you, are you going to be campaigning the Volvo, the British touring car Volvo? It's, it's, car it's GT cars and prototypes and, t- and touring cars, but I guess you can't choose. You have to do like a hot lap in like one of the classes. I don't know which yeah. one's doing the hot lap. Then, then it will stack up the grid in pace, and so the fastest take the P1s, uh, okay. and then the second mm. fastest group take like the GTs and things. So there's no way thing. to guarantee that Pete and I will even be in the same class. Um, but it'd be a really good laugh to try it out. I think if you're and, in the, um, if you're in a class that's going to be overtaking mine, I'm going to make your life a misery. <laughs> it seems <laughs> unlikely. Although again, because it's got that kind of like slippy, slidey, kind of almost dirt rally style handling, I tend to be quite quick. Like we've done some races on grid. Yeah, I'm going to struggle. I can tell you right now, I'm I'm not I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> Is that because it makes no physical sense whatsoever? Well, I have to like <laughs> press an input and then come back to the to to the stadio controller three seconds later to see what's happened that's true um, that's true but no actually to be fair it runs very very well um so i'm excited to see how it works i'd like to see like i, I what i did see on the chat in discord with all these people signing up and trying it out and things like that they are like it is quite refreshing to have a thing where you say okay i've signed up for stadia claimed grid as a free game and immediately mm. started playing it it's like yeah, yeah it's compared to trying to play Final Fantasy demo last night and having to wait (laughs) until way past my bedtime to start playing it and be like, okay, well, now I'm going to bed. So this is great. Yeah. But no, I think it's uh, going to be interesting to see what it's like. From a a racing game perspective, um, what I was thinking about the other day was like lag's going to manifest itself in a really weird way. So there'll be no lag between the actual cars. So you won't see anyone like warping around. But what might happen is that someone's like video feed will just break they won't be able to see anything or control anything and they'll just go straight on basically and plow into you um sounds great yeah i'm I'm interested to see the effect it's going to have on the rest of the internet and how much google's like this has to succeed so we're going to prioritize this over all other internet traffic yeah maybe (laughs) but we'll report back next uh next week about how that goes um 
But I think it's gonna be a good laugh. I think yeah, and I think if Stadia laugh. would like to sponsor the podcast, um, yeah. yeah, we have a Twitter account. They can reach <laughs> I, out. To I actually know someone who might be able to do that, but um, it's unlikely to happen. Anyway, um, we talked a bit about uh, obviously street racing uh, in uh, Formula E around the Hong Kong circuit. Um, it's doing a segue. We, yeah. whoa, it's doing a segue. I could race wow, yourself. I just thought I just figured out what's going on there. It's like, whoa, this yeah, is you've been slick. segued. Um, this is brilliant. Another uh, street circuit uh, is Long Beach, uh, where we watched the 2008 uh, American Le Mans series race uh, from Long Beach. Uh, just because I think it's the only one they ever did where they had P1 cars, like P1 cars as we'd understand them, racing around Long Beach. Uh, and it was weird. Was it not the weirdest sports car race like you've ever seen? It I was weird. It. Part of it is, I loved it as well. What part of the weirdness is how short it was. I've never seen a sports car race that short. I don't know. And again, yeah. I was I came quite late to sports cars. You got me into it, and I didn't get into it until like um, I guess 2012, 2013. Um, mm. uh, and so I don't know if this this might have been the norm back then or something. But having a sports car race, which is effectively like a, it's a sprint race, basically, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's like, like one hour forty. Yeah, one hour forty. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, and it's just over in a flash. Um, and obviously, and by mm. the time by the time they're um, by the time the race ends, it's kind of when you're just basically just settling down into your seat in most like, other endurance yeah. races, and they're still like they're still like seconds in between the entire field as well. Um, yeah, it was it was great. Obviously, just seeing them around that track as well, uh, almost kind of an impossibility. The the R tens looked huge, didn't they? Around around they are they huge, just, yeah. They look massive. Like so, the R ten is the big diesel. I'd forgotten that the the P ones of the time were. They transitioned to diesel already. I thought it'd be the old R8s, but it was the it was the big banger diesel you know, uh, R10. You know what they look like to me? They look like race car beds. Race car beds. Yeah, they're like, like they're so low in. and yeah, like you could just cut out the middle, and put a mattress in it. <laughs> yeah, they're low and flat. Yeah, yeah, they just look like a sled. It's very <laughs> strange. I'm so used to seeing them with a big old roof on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I had a question though about. Like the GT2 class, yes. How, did that just evolve into GTE, or is it a totally different GT set of regs? Like, how if you were going to put one on the track today with a GTE car or a GT3, like how would it stack up? I think it would get obliterated. I think GT3s have gotten faster and faster and faster as the years have gone on. Because um, so I, I have they, to say, those Porsches looked phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, they were so well, chunky. Everything's got everything's yeah. got big. Everything's got big. Like uh, everything's thick. I think is, is what the kids yeah. would say. Like yeah, yeah. they got these <laughs> big asses and these massive and, curves. They're beautiful. And there's no diffusers on anything. They, they just they just slammed them on the ground. Yep. And they put the widest. Yeah, and like the the GT40 that was knocking about in there too. Like that yeah. was. I do I do think the coverage did a disservice to the GT1 um, class. What did you barely see? Wait, what? There's a GT1 class? <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Corvette's to win it. I thought it's just it's just a Corvette, and I think the Aston's not even racing, is it? At that point, the uh, Aston's there. Yeah, you the Aston was Aston. in it. The Aston was yeah. a GT2, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a it's, GT2 it? Aston. Yeah, it's a GT2 Aston, not a GT1. All right. So I think I yeah, and I think it's just the two vets running on their own. Maybe they just didn't bother. Uh, so was the GT1 class the Le Mans GT class? Like, yeah. And then yeah. what's the GT? Was the GT two class at Le Mans as well the, those days? Yeah, at the time, yeah, it was GT one, GT two. So was it just that, Pro and Am stuff, or was it an actual? No, they were actually there were actual like differences between the two cars, like mechanically. I think at the time, so the GT ones were faster. What differences, Mike? 
You should have done some research. What is this? I don't this? know, mate. <laughs> As I said earlier, I've been drinking for like four hours now. Um, but the uh, there were definitely there were definitely two separate classes at, at two separate speeds. And um, you know, bear in mind this is not long after the sort of um, do you remember like GTR, like the FIA GT was GT ones and GT twos as well. And they're like that's they were significantly different classes. Um, it wasn't until. 2012 or 2011 or 2012 that gt1 ceased to mean anything and that it just transitioned into gt3 racing basically there seems um, to be pretty much nothing in this race because everyone just ignored them every now and then you just see a vet going around it's like why are they talking about the vet it's like oh yeah, because it's just yeah. a, it's on the race on their own um i love that ferrari pit stop that we were referring to earlier <laughs> where they they nearly sent it out without a rear wing so I just to confirm on the GT1 stuff. You're right. The only GT1 cars there were the were the vets. There is a, G, a DBR9 GT1 that only was a, a few races, four races that year, and it wasn't right, right. that round. And then all the other cars were GT2s. But I have no idea what would have been. I'll have to look into that because that intrigues me now. But but yeah. So I that pit stop to me, firstly. I I was sure that Sarlo came into the stop, right? Had his right. pit stop, couldn't get the car refired. And then in a very Ferrari way, I think they decided to to switch out the driver's finger as being <laughs> because because <laughs> Sarlo didn't leave in the pits. It was it was um his teammate Mello. Yeah, and yeah, it's very Mello. So so they Sarlo was going to leave and they're like, "No, no, something's not right." <laughs> Let's try a different finger. Um, <laughs> but then I, I have to. I haven't had a chance to talk to him since I watched it. But I didn't know that my dad worked for Risi Competizione or however you pronounce what? that. What really? But yeah, because I've never ever seen anyone other than my dad give the advice of try banging on the starter motor with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> because that works. Like, I haven't. But that because that happened at Le Mans, that happens a lot. I've seen, I've been to a lot of endurance yeah. races where someone gets a hammer out because there's no, I thought it's a contact. And um, I'm not an engineer, like I, I, I've got very little knowledge, but I thought the hammer actually does does trick a lot of the time. Yeah, there's a it's there's a solenoid and they get, yeah, get yeah. stuck. Yeah, but it's one of those things where for me, whenever I've had a car that doesn't start, the first thing, the first bit of advice that I'll get will be if you tried hitting the start. <laughs> it's never worked for me. It's normally always because the starter motor is just broken. Um, but it looked, it looked like they were genuinely going to send it without the rear wing. And then they were like, no, I, you know what? Actually, a rear wing might be useful around this aerodynamic. <laughs> there was, heavy, <laughs> there was a very, very Ferrari moment when the car drives off and, and it stops because the driver's like, there's no rear wing on this guy. Isn't the, the, all the mechanics, <laughs> you can tell they're all hands on hips like, do we need, do we really need it though? Yeah. I mean, he's already just, gone. Yeah. Should he just... And the, they're like, oh, fine, whatever, we'll put it on. Um, but, um, I did want to say, though, that that, I, that Ferrari was, what, the 360? Four, was it 430? 430, yeah. yeah. So that must have been... Because I didn't see the typical Ferrari failure. Then, so that must have been when they had starter issues as their kind of main problem. And now they don't have starter issues because their starter motors are powered by napalm instead. <laughs> they <laughs> they, the flames, so yeah. they start the car, but burn the car to the ground instead but <laughs> they, uh, but i like i mean i like the fact that Sarlo was in it. i remember him being back in alms but i yeah. forgot he was in it but that was good 
Um, I did like also Lucas Lur's glasses. Um, yeah. yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any normal person has any ever worn sunglasses like. We that haven't spo- we haven't spoken about uh, Drayson's holiday snaps. Yeah, that's just time. <laughs> yeah. Like, ed- editorially, this is the weirdest like race broadcast I've ever seen in my life. So the big three segments we had were uh, Lord Drayson's holiday in an RV with his family, which is a bit strange. Paid for by the UK taxpayers, I can only issue. Yeah, pay, yeah. He was well, acting minister at the time, yeah. <laughs> um, then we had the Speed Racer movie stuff where like everyone just looked a bit confused about racing. Um, and were promoting the Speed Racer film. And they put the little M, the Mac 5M, on a P2. And, they were and like, some yeah, pretend controls in the cockpit for, like, oil slick and stuff. Yeah, exactly, right? yeah. <laughs> even the, even Emil Hirsch, who's, like, the star of that film, was like, yeah, it's not, like, the real thing, but we'll cheer for it anyway. Um, and then the final thing was that bonkers thing where a guy walks around the paddock asking people if they'd rather drive Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston around. That was so nuts. Was it made so yeah, and that's so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then the weirdest thing is, like, you think, oh my god, this is completely screwed, and I can't believe this is 2008. Or, like, this is someone Dark Ages. And then they ask Chad McQueen. And then it gets mm. even weirder Steve McQueen's son turns up. It's like, what are you doesn't Steve McQueen's son say he doesn't, he can't choose between them or something? But there was yeah. also there, there was a driver who I don't I don't feel it's fair to to call them out on it because I mean well it's literally it, on YouTube so you know yeah the, people go find out for, for themselves but like they ask a driver and they yeah he said oh, yeah, I I can't remember if it's Jennifer Aniston or Angie Jolie but they yeah. said oh your teammate said that he'd he'd rather have Ricky Martin or something like that yeah uh, oh, and, yeah and, and, and then yeah. his response was oh something wrong with that it's <laughs> like are we are we are now we... <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. 2008 is I, I don't know who that what? guy was who was doing that. It's the only I thought time for a second it was, I thought it might be Mr. Caffeine for a second, but it wasn't because yeah. I thought Mr. Caffeine from a Ubisoft 2010 press conference, um, which I've seen too many times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's someone along those lines of Mr. Caffeine, some terrible kind right. of job in actor who does loads of really bad adverts. It, it's the only time in the broadcast he appears, as far as I can recall, and he just massively embarrasses himself. And then he, at the end, he's like, "Ah, uh, yeah, my choice would be." Shirley or something. I'm assuming he's talking about his wife or something. It's just the strangest thing. It's very, very strange. Very um, weird. But um, yeah, aside from that's probably why the race felt like shorter is because we spent a good half an hour with like dating with drivers and uh, Lord Drayson's uh, family holiday. But it was it was a good I thought it was a decent race. I thought what was interesting about it was like the the whole thing about the PTs being as quick as the P1s around that circuit was that bopping or was that just pure like no I think pace? I think that was to do with the you know the P1s absolutely destroyed the P2s everywhere else like those those Porsche P2s are fast they're very fast race cars and I think there was a period in LMS where they were the top class where P1 had like left basically yeah. and and they were really really quick um, but. I think it was genuinely just that the P1s do not couldn't really press their advantage around a street circuit where there's only one kind of major straight. It's not even the straight, is it? Even because it isn't, it, isn't it like a bendy straight? But yeah, it must, it's sort it's of a... yeah, it curves slightly, doesn't it? Um, but it was great to see them kind of like battle their way up and past the Porsches. Like it felt felt like a sports car race type thing with that that slow sort of. Um, gains and then eventually like just sending it um, but yeah it was it was a cool race I thought it was it was another one of those races that's like the exact right length the sort of the drama happens right at the end 
and then that's it. And I thought everything looked really quick around there. I haven't yeah. watched. It feels like a long time since I watched a Long Beach sports car race. Um, oh, there's been some sure... trackers. To be honest. They don't have yeah. any prototypes there anymore. You know that, right? They're always with GT cars. Now. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that's what I, what kind of fascinated me about this one is like not only were the prototypes there, they had P1s there, like literally Le Mans yeah. P1s designed for the Mulsanne straight around a street circuit. It's the weirdest thing, but everything looks so quick. But I, I've really, seen really th- there have been some like. It, I would highly recommend going back and watching some of the, even the, the GT only IMSA races they have there, because mm. there's been some like really like calamitous, like finish line type dramas where like at that, that last hairpin, people hairpin, have just, yeah. just gone absolutely buck wild into there. And just, <laughs> just thought if I, I think there was one where like a Porsche span out a Corvette. This is in the GTLM class too. So this is like in the, the, yeah, the, the serious GT the proper class, yeah. GT class, and um, they and it was like so. I think it was a Porsche spinning out a Corvette, and the teammate Porsche driving past and winning the race. Yeah, and like the race official was like, "Well, we can only we can only penalize, penalize the, yeah. the the Porsche that hit you. We can't penalize the other one." <laughs> so they went from like first to, to I think it was even late. Yeah, you know, they even fell down an order rather than that. But it's like it's just brutal. And like it, it's such a tight track. Yeah. the best of times that like it just does turn into a bit of a street fight and that um that that corner sequence around the sort of like flower bed fountain thing is just awesome fountain like, turn yeah. yeah um and there's some really there's some great corners like fast corner the fast corner onto the back straight as well like is is really really cool um i do miss them them running prototypes there they did do it a few other times but it was that sort of um dpi sort of grand am type yeah. stuff rather than the the really serious stuff um, the um the indie cars are good there too they yeah they are they're really, really good. and in fact although like um although project cars 2 has its issues um i do think the indie cars handle really really well and they've got a good version of long beach in that so if you want to experience like long beach in a video game it's like a really indie cars around long beach and project cars 2 is is that game i'm gonna i'm gonna forget i'm gonna forget you said that (laughs) i I, I know long beach mostly from f355 challenge um yeah which i just played endlessly on dreamcast that was a cracker that's an absolute Mm. banger um (laughs) and uh, on the dreamcast it's wonderful as well um and and long beach was superb in it it's kind of it's i think it's kind of where the handling model of that game really kind of shined the most around Mm. that circuit it's a great track I might get my Dreamcast out actually and polish it off again. Death Three Five Five Challenge is so. Good. I feel like I, I feel like I need to get Dreamcast. There's so many good like retro racing games on there, like Sega Rally Twos on there and all sorts of stuff. Uh, there was like a Gran Turismo clone that I really liked for a yeah, Sega, Sega, GT. Sega GT. Yeah, yeah. I never played um, Sega GT actually. Was it any was it any good? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I remember having putting some solid hours into that. Yeah. Uh, that was the console that Metropolis Street Racer like launched on as well. That was really good. Um, they had a version of Daytona that I never really got on with because it just looked weird. Um, yeah, it's pretty decent. It's better than I don't know. I've, I've, the Saturn ones are weird because there's that one good one, one really bad one. Um, I thought mm. the Dreamcast one's fine. It doesn't actually like a lot of the Daytona conversions. It, it feels quite far removed from the actual arcade game, which we're yeah. lucky to actually get to play now through that amazing um, that that exp- port. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's so good that port. I I played it uh, on a live stream on outside. I had a massively self indulgent like multiplayer daytona live stream on outside xbox 
um, over the Easter weekend on Good Friday. Because I was like, if I'm going to stream anything on a day that I'm supposed to have off, it's going to be day 10 of multiplayer. And basically, I just put a link to buy the game in the description of the video and said, come and challenge me on day 10 of multiplayer. And we had some absolutely awesome races. It was really, really good fun. Well, because I, I, I remember you asked me to get, uh, help, you get, help you get footage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I needed some footage. And then yeah, we had, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was so much fun. Oh, that game It's great. So it's really, really good. It's got the proper Sega catch-up as well. So even if you're in the lead, you're not safe at all. Um, so that's some absolutely awesome races the other thing that is on the Dreamcast which you should get a copy of Martin if you don't already I don't is even the, the Le Mans game it's that, that's, that, I, the Melbourne House Le Mans game and yeah. I think that's the best version of it I've played the PSC version as well and it's just um, there's something about the Dreamcast version it is incredible and that's so, like uh, it's 99 so it's GT1 BMW V12 LM and um, yep. Toyota GT1 yeah. and oh my god it's so good proper day night and, cycle yeah, I so wonder if it, I must have had that then too. Probably, yeah. Think. You had I've a Dreamcast got... and you would have bought it probably. Yeah. But Mel- like Melbourne House made two well, amazing yeah. racing games. Melbourne House made that version of Le Mans, which is incredible. They also made a game called Grand Prix Challenge on the PS2. Yes. Which is 2004 season? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, 2003 or four. Um and it's so good. It's it runs at sixty frames per second on a PS2, and it looks gorgeous. And it's got amazing atmosphere. And it's like structurally, it's really bare bones. There's like no real like um, sort of frills to the career mode and stuff. But it it just handles brilliantly. It looks gorgeous, and it runs silky smooth. It's such a good game. So yeah, Melbourne House really really knew what they were doing when it came to racing games. They also made a bit of trivia for you. Uh, a Transformers game that people like absolutely adored. It reviewed extremely highly at the time. I think they so also I don't know what had their because that that Transformers game was awesome. It was was it Bruno? What his name was the guy who ran the studio? But they also um, they famously run their offices out of an airplane uh, because to avoid tax or something like crazy really? like that. Yeah, wow, that's pretty baller. But yeah, Melbourne House, it, get your Dreamcast out and get on eBay and buy a copy of uh, Le Mans for the Dreamcast. It's wicked. So um, I have one other um, computer game question or racing sure. sim question. Um, I know this isn't going to go to Mike because you're just you're a bad friend and you haven't come through on your promises. Can you still got a rookie license in iRacing? But I'm working on it. <laughs> Mine, I just have to. I have a lot of Formula E practice to do. But I'm Mine, working you, on it. you have you have I'm a D you. license. Yeah. And tomorrow. <laughs> Is um, the start of the twenty-four hours of the Nurburgring? There's <laughs> no way I can do that. <laughs> I challenge you to join my team of just me. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. Wow, you're making finish. this sound really we're attractive. Not, we're not going to finish this race. Drivers. We're not going to finish this race. But please, let's try and start this race and. If you just don't mind me just driving it straight into the barriers. That's fine. The only other time I've entered the Nürburgring 24 and iRacing, that's what happened. So I, and also it's one of those things where it's more of a sense of relief than anything else. If I, <laughs> but if you don't have to do any driving, but here's the thing. Like if I, if I find a setup that is, is fairly generous um, and fairly forgiving, you can pick the car and we can we can do the Nürburgring. Or you can start the Nürburgring and maybe make it a third way through a lap and then I mean, and then we can be like, we tried. I mean, you give that a resounding maybe, which is obviously a no. <laughs> 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 uh, 
It's exactly the same. As you know, it, start, it starts on Saturday. I... I might have said tomorrow. It starts on Saturday. It starts on yeah. Saturday. I thought it was Friday for a second because it, it's, it's quality. It's genuinely the sort of thing I would be up for if I hadn't committed to this ludicrous uh, actual You guys always have excuses if it's not kids, it's <laughs> other commitments. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and in this case, it's that I've signed up for an actual esports thing that is quite high profile. I'm a bit frightened. This is, this is the one that's going to be on TV, by the way, Pete. You can tune in on Fox if you like. Yeah. Well, I don't have Fox, but if I did, I would. Um, okay. I'm going to get Fox. But they do. They they do have. Oh, so you do that for Mike? <laughs> but but um, they the YouTube stream had all the like Fox commentators and stuff, all the yeah, regular. Yeah. So like all the Dario stuff and. And um, Jack, Jack Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the global feed. Um, Did you yeah, see, you by the way, the um, when they were interviewing? Um, oh, I'm going to forget his name. Lotterer is going to hate me. Yes, Lotterer. When he was on camera, and in the background, he's got like his like a classic Porsche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves his. You know, he's got a um, he's got an Audi Quattro as well. There's a video online of him like like I think a, it's a petrolicious thing? one. Yeah, he's got an old like. That proper Legend. banging Audi Quattro that he just razzes around some mountain roads and it's really really cool. Lotterer is an absolute like stallion. There, there are a few legend. like sports car type guys that generally are seem like they're just car fanboys. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I'm on the name forgetting spree now. Who's the kid that won the um, GT Academy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone through like modding his like old school skyline and yeah, things yeah. like that and he, he go- sold that he sold that skyline to jimmy broadbent and bought a ferrari bought like a weird obscure not that old ferrari but like quite an obscure grand Tourer type ferrari but cool. i remember like scrolling through like a speed hunters article where they were going through with all these like it was like a japanese car meet somewhere in like tokyo and it had all these obscure cars there and then like they're like oh yeah martin just turned up to have a look at the cars and stuff and you're like is he just <laughs> He's, he's just a car fanboy. I love it. Like, yeah, I, I remember. That's... I remember that speed hunters thing. Yeah, it was when he was. I mean, he's obviously still racing in Japan. Um, but yeah, it was. It was when he was sort of like early doors in um, Super Formula and Super GT and stuff like that. And he was. I think he was showing up sort of with the Nissan hat on. But I do remember that story. Yeah, he's a he's a big big fanboy clearly. But that's that's cool because you get a lot of motorsport people who just don't care about road cars at all. And I definitely care more about race cars, but. I like road cars as well. I get that because um, I think the same thing Johnny Herbert once said. Thing like, like uh, someone said, you'd like you drive what you drive normally. It's like I'd never actually drive in main roads because everyone's an absolute nutter. It's too terrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Most most racing drivers I've spoken to drive like a diesel Golf to and from the race circuit, but that's because they then get to the race circuit, get in a race car, and like drive like their hairs on fire. Who who they... do you think who do you think in F one has has the best car collection? Uh, not in terms of just buying like he's got like a zonda and stuff like that hasn't he i'm I'm not talking about the cliche i'm a super rich guy so i'm gonna buy the super cars but i think vettel he's Vettel's got he's 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 a guy who like knows the history of the sport and also has a passion for cars and shit so yeah i know he's 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 german so yeah he he rocks up like classic like hondas and stuff no but because he's german and because germans love Cowboys. I bet he's got a ton of like old muscle cars and stuff like that. Or and I bet he wears like a Stetson and drives muscle cars around. Do you want to throw in any more stereotypes? Yeah. 
Eat a sausage at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe all automatic so he can hold a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> his sausage which he way which he has like packed into his laser hosen. Um yeah. I, I genuinely think um I genuinely think he'd be he'd be kind of into the old school American muscle. Thank you so much for listening to uh, another episode of the Caution Period podcast, if you have been listening to it. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. I don't think we've decided what we're going to watch next week. We'll have a look at the calendar. We'll work something out. We'll put it on Twitter, at Caution Period, um, which is where our Twitter is. I barely ever tweet, but it, you should follow it anyway, because the joy of following something that barely ever tweets is that it won't clog up your feed with nonsense. It will only be the important stuff. So, yeah, go follow that. Tweet us if you're listening to this. Let us know like that you are actually listening to this. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll come up with something for next week. We do we'll... have one last bit of news before we sign off, Mike. Is that it no, no NASCAR hour. drivers have ended their career this week? That's true. That's, That's the true. first time. <laughs> NASCAR watch. Um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe by the time this goes out, a Formula E driver will have uh, ended his <laughs> ended his career in shame. Anyway, yes, thank you so much for watching, and we will catch you next time. Watching, listening. Oh my god, I've, I've done <laughs> You've been for four hours. I've done that <laughs> in pretty much every every single episode. <laughs> <laughs>